if you have your Bibles, or if you would like to, you are welcome to take the Bible out of the pew in front of you and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 4. Actually, only a couple of verses there. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. You'll know, I, I think you'll know, I, I, I'm hoping that you'll know that you've read this before, once, maybe twice. It's on the temptation of Christ. So I'm hoping that you'll, you'll know this. Matthew chapter 4. My Bible says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if, any, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we're thankful, Lord, for the opportunity <clears throat> that we have to, uh, to be able to be here. Father, I'm, I'm thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. Uh, Lord, you, you are doing some amazing things in your kingdom amongst your people in these days. And Father, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pleased to be a part of that, Lord, that you have allowed me <clears throat> to come into your kingdom, to enter your kingdom, to be born again and, and, and washed and made clean. And, and Father, to be in your kingdom with you. And, and Father, sensing, seeing, knowing, realizing, Lord, the, all that you're doing around us. Father, wonderful things are happening in these days. Father, I'm thankful this morning for their, your spirit that's here. <clears throat> Father, for your spirit that's here and, and that we have sensed and are sensing in the singing and in the celebration and the joy and, and Father, in the music and in the words and, and Father, in the attitude of it all. Father, how we feel your presence so close. Lord, what a, what a, what a great thing this is to be here in this place today with these people. These are great people. <clears throat> Father, I'm asking today Lord, that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would guide us as we open your word. Uh, Father, I'm asking today that you would lead us along the paths of your truth, of what you desire for us to see, of what you, you want us to know. Uh, Father, I know that you have prepared something special and powerful and miraculous that it would move into our lives, into our hearts and minds and spirits and our everyday kind of living because you are here and you're ready to pour it in. Father, help us to receive it. Father, help us that our, that, our, that our spirits, that our minds, that our ears will be open to you. Father, help us that, that we would hear beyond, beyond the words that come from this mouth, Lord, but that we would hear of your spirit and of your presence. And, and Father, I claim that promise from John chapter 16, Lord Jesus, where you said that it's better that you go away, that the Holy Spirit would come and he would teach us deep things in the kingdom. So that, that's today. Father, let that happen amongst us. Father, I, I want to pray for those who aren't with us today, Lord. I, I want to pray for Kenny and Ruth there in the hospital. And Father, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would bless them with strength and power and authority and healing as only you can do. And Father, as you're doing it, even now, miraculous things happen in there, Father. We're thankful for that. Father, I thank you, Lord, for those who are, who are having a vacation and getting rested and, and, Father, perhaps seeing family. Lord, I'm thankful, Father, for the blessings that you surround them with, with protection and mercy and strength and rest. And, Father, I want to pray your blessing on them that, Father, they would know you in a great and wonderful way today. Uh, Father, for all the folks who, who may be in Amherst or in Moncton or Halifax, uh, Father, we're asking, oh, Lord, that your spirit would lift them up and encourage their hearts. Father, for those who aren't with us today for reasons of, of travel or work, Father, let, Lord, would you bless them where they're at? Would you, would you move on them in your spirit, Lord, that they would know all that you are? And Father, those that are listening at home, 
Father, perhaps on live stream this morning or, or later on on YouTube. And Father, I'm asking that, Lord, that the words that, that, that come from your scriptures today, Father, that they would, they would reside in your power throughout all of time and your word would not return unto you again void. Father, this promise we claim in Jesus' name. And so, Father, today I'm asking once again, Lord, that it might be that you would clothe yourself with this form that you would speak through this mouth, and Father, that we would know, thus saith the Lord. Lord, we don't want to hear eclectic wisdom or philosophy or even, even much for theology. Father, we want to know what you have to say. So Father, guide us in these things, I pray. Glorify yourself. Father, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you had a good week this week. I had a busy week. I saw, I'm telling you, I, I, I had a busy week. I'm a little, little weary, but the Lord has, um, has spoken something uh, to me this week that I want to share with you. And I'm still kind of working through all of it, but uh, it's, a, and it's, it's an interesting thought. Here in, in Matthew chapter 4, um, and if you, you know, just gather your Bible there and kind of take a quick look at the background of, of what we have here. And Matthew chapter 4 uh, happens just after chapter 3. Did you, you notice that, right? That chapter 3 came first and then came 4. Now that's really important. It's important because we need to know how to count. But secondly, it's important because chapter 3 seems to me to be one of, the, one of the mountaintop experiences of Jesus' life, I think, at least at this point in time. Notice in chapter 3, it says that, that John the Baptist, it's verse 1 says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, and he was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that whole ministry began, and, as, and I suspect that as Jesus was watching this, you remember, remember John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins, right? And so as Jesus was watching that, you know, and, and the email came, and the email said something to the effect like, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, Elizabeth, who was John the Baptist's mother, wrote to Mary, who was Jesus' mother, on email and said, said hey, great news, John has started preaching. He's, uh, he's you know, he's a little, little different than most. He's preaching out in the wilderness, you know, maybe out there in Streets Ridge, wilderness. You know, and, uh, and John is, is preaching out there and people are coming to see John and to hear him. He's, he's doing great things. We're excited about this. Pray for us. And so Mary right back, she said, well, that's great. Jesus is really excited. You know, you know, they were cousins, John and Jesus, and he's really excited and he's going to be praying for you. You know, that's quite a thing, Jesus praying for you. And so as it goes on, you know, in verse 11 of chapter three, um, John the Baptist says, he says, I baptize with water for repentance, but after me, will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear this threshing floor and gather his wheat into the garner or into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then in verse 13 says, Then Jesus came. After John the Baptist said this, then Jesus began the ministry. Oh, before he began the ministry, he went and got baptized. Did you notice that? He came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John, his cousin, said to him, he said, oh, hold on a minute. I need to be baptized by you, and, and yet you come here to me. And Jesus said, well, let it be so now, for it's proper. You know, we got to fulfill all the scripture and all righteousness. So John consented. And then notice here, so so as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up from the water, and at that moment, the heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So <clears throat> Jesus began the ministry. He was baptized. He came up from the water, the heavens opened up. There was a voice saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And a dove came down 
rested on him. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, next, let me think. It's the Sunday afternoon of family camp. It's a baptism service. If you haven't been baptized, why don't you consider being baptized? Uh, so let's say this, this coming, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for this now, this coming uh, baptism service at a big lake on, on the Sunday afternoon of family camp, that one of you will be baptized, and as you come up out of the water, I'll be listening for the voice. This is my child in whom I am well pleased. I'll be looking for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why not? And Jesus said the same thing. In the same way I have been sent, I'm sending you. That's what Jesus said. But you know, it's, it, that would be, I, I would think, you know, so much going through my head, I can hardly keep my ears closed. I, uh, <clears throat> I was thinking of... Um, I'm going to stand over here because I want to get in the old church for a while. Remember, this was the old church. Right here, I'm sitting under the balcony. Right? Remember this, Walter. Don't tell me you don't. You know, and I'm sitting here and, and right, right about, I'm going to say where you're at, Angela. That would be the front of the church there. The church platform was there. Will Cloney sat there. Remember that, George? Billy? Phil? You remember that? Will Cloney sat right there, right? And he would get up every Sunday night and he'd give his testimony. Remember that? 20 years ago, I was saved from cards and cigarettes. Remember, I, can, I can still hear him saying that, you know, and, and not, not saying anything negative about that because that was a great testimony. That was a highlight in his life. That right there, and I could always, uh, we could always count that. Now I see you're trying to hide me, Angela. <clears throat> that right there, you know, that, uh, that, it, that Will Cloney would always stand up and give his testimony. I can still remember how he walked and how he talked and, and all of that, you know. And, uh, and, I, and I thought of the highlights of our lives that go into our testimonies. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> 20 years ago, I was saved, we might say. And I was saved from, and I was saved to. And uh, 20 years ago, God did something in my life. Those mountaintop experiences. I, I remember sitting there beside Dave Skidmore. And uh, yeah, there was a whole bunch of us, teens, and I remember the altar call came. Dave said, come on, Mark. They didn't even give me a chance. They didn't give me a choice. He grabbed me by the arm and up we went to the altar. And you remember, you remember what it was like? I, that was a high water mark for me because the altar at the front of the church would be three and four people deep. Remember that? I don't even remember what the preacher preached about and he was dead. But I remember when the altar call came and the Holy Spirit moved. I, I distinctly remember that. It seems to me that this would be a high water mark for Jesus. You know, as he began the ministry, as he came up from the water and the Holy Spirit came down and, and the voice, you know, uh, in my mind, it boomed across the shore. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The dove came down, settled on him, the Holy Spirit like a dove. So, so this happened. And verse 4 then says, this is the stage that sets up chapter 4. That's why chapter 3 was important to this. Because this event and these events and these, the, the ministry of John the Baptist and all that was doing, it seemed like there was a revival beginning to move through the land. And Jesus, you know, this would, this would be a mountaintop experience, I think, if he was fully in the whole, in the whole idea of fully man, fully God. So chapter four then comes on right after this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. That word then is a sticky word because first you have what happened, then this happened, right? You have the mountaintop, then this happened. You got the news of, then this happened. You were texting on your phone, then you ran into the back of the other guy. You know, the, that then word is an important word. Then this happened. So it says verse one, and you recognize it. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now that doesn't sound really spiritually good to me. Then 
after this high watermark of the baptism, then you were led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Was this going to be a high watermark in your life now? So verse 2 says, okay, so Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the, by the devil. And so he fasted for 40 days, 40 nights. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's more than a month. 40 days. How many, how many days in a month? 30, right? One, two, three, okay. 30 unless 31. That's six weeks, isn't it? That's a long time. Six weeks. No eating. Okay, nobody say it. Right? Six weeks. No eating. None. Just maybe water. I mean, you have to have water after six weeks. So it says there, oh, wait a minute now. It doesn't say that. Verse two, after fasting for six weeks, Marilyn, he was spiritual. That's what it should say. If you fasted for six weeks, if you fasted and prayed for six weeks, if you waited on God in fasting and prayer for six weeks, you would, you would be in a place spiritually maybe you've never been before. So, so, so maybe it should have said, you know, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was spiritual. Hey, I mean, that would follow. Maybe fasting after 40 days and 40 nights, he was where he needed to be with God. Maybe after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was ready. But it says he was hungry. I find that curious. I do, I do not, not, not that his body didn't need food, but that's the thing they highlighted. This was Jesus. This was kingdom of God stuff. This was spiritual stuff, but they highlighted the physical stuff. He was hungry. That's perplexing. Why not say he was spiritual? Why not speak about the benefit of fasting? Why not speak about meeting God? Why not speak about the purpose of fasting? But it says he was hungry. Uh, and then the tempter came. Verse 3, see that? The tempter came. The tempter showed up. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The tempter came in the moment of his greatest weakness. The tempter came in the, in the point where he was weakest on the battlefield in this one particular area. He was hungry. And, and the tempter slipped in these words, if, in the temptation, if, if you are the son of God, if suggests a question, if suggests there's multiple responses or answers back. <clears throat> um, if you were shopping for the right suit, why didn't you get the right size? If you were going to the barber, why didn't you get a good haircut? If you were cooking, how come? Never mind about that one. You know, there's if suggests a question, right? If, if, if you are the son of God, if you are such a great mechanic, how come you can't fix this vehicle? If you're such a good swimmer, how come you almost drowned out there in the middle of the lake? You know, if suggests a question. But then he goes on and he says, he says the word tell. Tell suggests authority, right? He doesn't say, you know, if you're the son of God, maybe you should suggest that these stones become bread. There's, there's, there's a suggestion of authority. If you are the son of God, says the question, tell these stones suggests the recognition of authority without actually saying that Jesus is the one with the authority. He says that if you are this, 
then you should be able to do this. If you are a Christian, you pray that I get healed. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you show me God. If you believe in God, tell me how I can believe in God. If, tell, if, tell, if, prove yourself. Right? That's the temptation. If God is real, tell me why the bad things happen to good people. If, if God is true, then tell me how come there's so much trouble. If God is love, how come there's so much pain? Prove these two things. If and tell. That's what, that's what he's saying here. If your faith is real, heal me. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Ooh. It's an interesting thought. Jesus began his ministry with the if you are the son of God, and he ended it with the if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Prove this to me. Prove this by making bread. Prove your authority. Okay, let's, let's just hold on to that thought for a minute. I'm going to come back to that. But let's, uh, perplexes me. Why bread? I, know, I like bread. But I really like this keto diet thing. You know, I know we talked about that last week a little bit. I, I, I like that. You know, I don't, I don't know why I like that, but I like it. You know what keto diet? You're looking perplexed, bread. It's a metabolization of fat, right? Is that what you told me, Joan? Yeah, that's right. Joan knows about it. You remember now? Yeah. You weren't paying attention, were you? Anyway, never mind. But I, I like the idea of the, of, the, of the keto thing. That kind of makes sense to me, you know, versus the carbs and all that stuff. But you need carbs to make, uh, to be able to sleep, right? Yeah, you need carbs to make, um, what does it you make? Melatonin. Through carbs, is that, anybody know? Okay, believe me, because no one else knows, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so my question is, why bread? Why, why didn't he say, why didn't he say something like, uh, you know, it would have been more tempting to me if he would have said, you know, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become steaks. It's hot enough. You cook these, cook these steaks right here on the other stones. It just kind of makes sense, right? Or, or I know, I know. I know. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become um, baked potatoes, double sour cream, some, some onions and some bacon bits. Man, that would be good, right? If you are the son of God, how about a pot roast? If you are the son of God, how about, you know, some fried fish and maybe some fries? If you're the son of God, a lobster roll. Huh? Hmm? Why bread? Didn't you ever think that? Didn't you ever ask the question, why did he tempt him with bread? Well, maybe it was a staple. Maybe it's a lot of things. I mean, it doesn't seem like, what's, how, how harmful can bread be? You remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, when he fed the 7,000 as well? What did he do? He made bread. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. The little boy came to him, and as he said to his disciples, he said, you feed the multitude. They said, we don't have enough money to even to begin to think about this. He said, well, what do you got? Right? You got any stones? Let's, let's talk. No. He said, what do you got? And they said, well, we've got a few loaves and a few small fish. And, and Jesus said, well, bring them to me, and I'm going to do something. So he did it then. So what's the difference with doing it now? They were hungry when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Why is bread bad here? There's two parts to this one, and you noticed it, I suspect, in verse 4. Get this up where I can see it. Verse 4, Jesus answered, he said, he said, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's two parts to his answer. And I'm going to say that, uh, that Jesus was answering this question because this, this kind of suggests to me that the tempter was tempting Jesus with the meaning of life. The, what is the meaning of life? Is the meaning of life going to Walmart at Christmas? Is the meaning of life getting all the toys stacked into the bin in front of you? Is the meaning of life, all the things that you hold over here, is that the meaning of life? <clears throat> is the meaning of life what you eat and drink and put on? What is the meaning of life? 
So, so I, I read this in a, in a bit of a different way. It says, and it said, Jesus answered, it is written. Well, this is what it was written. Man does not live by bread alone. But I, but I, I thought, as I was praying about it this morning, I thought to myself, I thought, maybe, maybe this is what it means. That Jesus is saying, man lives by these two things. Right? Because he didn't say, no, bread's bad. He didn't say, you know, it should be something else. He said, man does not live by bread alone. In other words, bread is important. What you eat is important. You know, what you put on is important. He went on and talked about this later on in Matthew chapter 6. He finishes his thought. Matthew chapter 6, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? He was talking about, you know, what we eat and what we wear. He said, you know, see the flowers of the field. They don't toil. They don't spin. Yet they are arrayed in, in a greater splendor than Solomon. You know, God knows what you have need of. He knows what you need to eat. He knows all about this. But seek first God's kingdom, and then all these things will be added unto you. So he's not saying that bread is bad. He's not saying that being, you know, having, having your hunger satisfied is, is bad. He's not saying that. He's, but he is saying that's not the only thing that brings meaning to life. That's not the only thing that brings meaning to life. It's not, you know, yes, uh, things can be fun. Yes, it's great to laugh. Yes, it's nice to go out with friends. Yes, it's nice to go out here. Yes, it's nice to wear that. Yes, it's nice to smell nice. It is nice to smell nice. <clears throat> but that's not the only thing. They don't exist alone. Jesus went on, he says, he says, but man does live by bread. Man does live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I, uh, I have a friend, well, I had a friend, haven't talked to him for a long time now. His name is Shahid. Shahid Wahari is his name. And um, originally he was from northern Pakistan. Now he lives in Australia. And a great guy, just a really good really good human being and uh, um, I said to him I said uh, he travels all over the world he's a he's a salesperson for a company and uh, and I said to him I said how, how come your family moved out of northern Pakistan that was a rhetorical question I would I would I wouldn't expect I would know why because the Taliban was in there pretty heavy at that time when they left and um, you couldn't this and you couldn't that. I mean, on threat of death, on threat of losing a limb, they would just show up at your door if they thought that you stole something, they'd chuck, they would cut your hand off to the elbow almost, you know? No, no choice. I mean, it was bad stuff. And uh, so anyway, so these parents moved to uh, Australia. And, that, and I've often thought of Shahid. And I've thought, you know... Um, I thought, I know why he doesn't move back to northern Pakistan. And then I thought of all the immigration stuff going on in Canada. Crossing the borders. You know, you read the news. And, and every, everything that's there. And, uh, and uh, Sharia law. Shahid is a Muslim, so I know a little bit about Sharia law. Uh, and, uh, and all the immigration stuff that happens. And, and, it, and all of a sudden it struck me, you know, that, that sometimes people in the world want the blessings of the benevolent king without obeying the laws of the land. Right? Want the freedom without being free or allowing freedom. Want the blessings of the social net such as it is without having to, you know, give up Sharia law, or and I'm not picking on that, but I'm just saying that they want the blessings of the benevolent king or the benevolent government without necessarily obeying the laws of the land. And in, <clears throat> in northern Pakistan, you've got to obey the laws of the land or bad things will happen to you very quickly. This, this story, that's how that ends. <clears throat> and, I, and I thought about the Christian journey. You see, Jesus, let's go back a little bit. Jesus had this great spiritual event of baptism. The heavens opened, the voice boomed out. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit settled down on him as a dove and said, you know, this is the, you know, 
this is the anointing and, and all that. And Jesus could have gone, if he was like us, he could have gone on for the next 50 years and said, you know what? 10 years ago, I was baptized in a great way. The 15 years ago, the Holy Spirit settled down and he cleansed my heart. You know, or, or 20 years ago, I was delivered from all the temptations. He could have said all of that. But his experience was every day. By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <clears throat> I, I wonder a lot to myself, and I don't wonder, I kind of, I've, I've come to the conclusion, what is the meaning of life? And it has to do with being a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I look at Jesus' life separate from the church. The church being, well, it could be a building, church being denominations, or church being a theology, a church being a doctrine. I look at the life of Christ separate from the church, and I, and I, and I, and I look at, at what Jesus, how he acted with people. And, and you remember how he acted with people? Remember the woman caught in adultery? That's my favorite story. Not that someone was caught in adultery, but, but what Jesus said, he said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. He said, everyone else is condemning you, but I'm not condemning you, but I am saying this, go and sin no more. You know, people who, who sinned, people who were trapped, people who got made bad decisions, Jesus forgave and he cleansed and he, and he set them back on the path of life again. You know, th that to me is the meaning of life. That, that's why I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not necessarily a follower of any particular theology. I'm not smart enough to know all the ins and outs of all the theologies. But I do know this. God does know. And as I listen to him and I can say what he says, just don't get in an argument with me because you're arguing with God. Not, not that I'm God, but I'm listening to him. You know what I'm saying? This doesn't work well if you write that on an exam, by the way, Brad. <laughs> they don't necessarily like that. But. but to be a follower of Christ means to seek God first. I'm reading a book um, called Spiritual Authority. And the, the book has really kind of uh, shocked me in a lot of ways. The guy is writing, and, and the more that, he, more that I read the book, the more I think, you know, he's right on. And basically, his idea there is you can be a child of God, but operate under the principles of Satan. You can be a child of God, but operate under the principles of Satan. Bread's not bad. If you are a Christian, you need to prove that to me by changing these stones to bread. Well, okay, I'm just going to change all the stones to bread. There's no stones here that aren't going to be changed to bread. I'm changing all stones to bread. Well, you, if you are this, then you need to tell me this. If you are this, then you need to do that. If you are this, then you need to. And we begin then to operate under the principles of Satan. Instead of listening to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said further on in Matthew chapter 7, Not all those who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. In other words, there's a presupposition that you have to listen to what God is saying. I don't always do that. I hate to say it, but I don't. Sometimes I jump right in and think, that's a good idea. God convicts me, said that, you know, we need to talk about this. I said, maybe it's a good idea, but it's not the best idea. You know, that we, you have to listen to what God is saying in that moment. So you have to have that relationship. We cannot try to live the Christian life following the principles of Satan. Live the Christian life under submission to the authority of God. Jesus, you know, this is why, you know, you, you, you take chapter four, you go through chapter five, he's got the Beatitudes and all this stuff and there's some really rich uh, literature here and he comes down to the end of chapter six and this is, he's, say, he's saying this, this stuff here about <clears throat> basically living under the authority of God and he says, verse 28, uh, let, me, let me find it here. It says, no, verse 20, 25, it says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Right? Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life 
is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, or they don't store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. <clears throat> was that a question? I don't think it was. We're just there at the end. But all, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, here, here, here we go. Okay, here's another thing. Why didn't Jesus say, seek first his kingdom, his righteousnesses, and all these things probably will be looked after? Right? That's, a, that's not quite as firm, is it? Uh, seek first his kingdom, his will, and, and do you not think God's going to look after you? See, that'd be a little more politically correct, because then there's a door open that it could go either way, and we could say, oh, okay, yeah, I guess it. But I would say that's pretty firm. That word will, I'd, I'd say that's pretty firm. I would say that when the, when the month goes longer than the money and you got a pile of bills there that I would drag that verse right there out of the closet and I would say, Lord, you said, if I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, you will. Would I be wrong to do that? Do you think that would be? I got problems. My one principal problem is I actually believe this. I believe the word of God. I don't understand it all. I'll be the first to tell you that. I don't, I don't understand the intricacies. I don't understand the deep doctrine that's in there. But I do understand this. God has never failed me. I have been down the darkest of valleys that would terrify you. But God has never failed me. I haven't always lived a blessed and wonderful life. God, though, has never failed me. Why? Because he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Is that all that you want? No. It's not all that you want. Don't be thinking that. Don't be thinking that this is a lottery game. You're going to put your money in, pull the handle, and out comes a big pocket full of change. It's not how this works. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. And what does it say? He was hungry. Jesus was hungry. Now, we could say, well, he was seeking God. We could say he was following his kingdom. How come he was hungry? Because that had a place in God's plan for his life in that moment during the temptation. Why do bad things happen to me? You know, I, I, I split my hand, this one right here, the other day, last night, yesterday. Bleed, oh my soul, that bled. You know, and the first thing went through my mind, Lord, you could have stopped that. I didn't need this to slow me down right now. I didn't need this kind of pain. I'm bleeding all over my leg. I'm bleeding up and down. It, I, like, I thought I cut a carotid artery or artery or something like that. That could have been coming out of my neck for all of it. It was bleeding so bad. I'm telling you what, it's painful. I just, that wasn't that bad. <clears throat> but it did hurt. It did hurt. But it's one of those things when you say, Lord, you could have stopped this. But seek first his kingdom. And all these things will be added unto you. God will look after you. Yeah, understand this. It's, it's in there. <clears throat> the principles of Satan, though, say, you need it right now. You need those stones to become bread right now. And I say, no, God's got this. 
I'm just going to kind of wait and see. You know, uh, June, June here today. When we were in, uh, in Cuba this last trip, remember, and some of us got to stay a little longer than others. Well, I enjoyed that. I did. I, I liked, you know, being there. I didn't like being sick. I got sick. Boy, did I get sick. And they gave me that yogurt, and that didn't help me one bit. That hit the bottom of my stomach, and it wasn't long jumping right back to in the cup where it came from. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I don't like being sick, but I was sick. <clears throat> but I wasn't afraid. You know, they, I was talking. Did I tell you this? Did I tell you this story? I was talking to the phone uh, to the people from WestJet and said, you know, uh, we got kicked off the plane. I know the gal fairly well by now because I talked to her every day for 10 days. <clears throat> we lost our luggage and this and it was that and everything else. And, and then, um, so her name was Veronica. So I, thought, I said to Veronica, we got kicked off your plane. And she said, oh, why? Do you have insurance? No. I guess you're out of luck then, aren't you? No. Anyway, she, she helped us, and she said this. She said, you know, if we've got some flights coming up. This was a Monday. We've got some flights coming up on Saturday. And if you, for whatever reason, cannot get on those flights on Saturday, you're going to be here till the middle of March because there is no flight on any airline out of this country for the next month. Unbelievable stuff. <clears throat> but you know what? I wasn't worried one little bit because I figured God had this. And God's timing was perfect. Yes, there was a bit of a crisis. Yes, it was a, I thought, was inconvenient not having my wife around to lean on and, and look after me and wait on me hand and foot. You know, I had to do that by myself. <clears throat> but, I, but you know, but I understood God has this. He, he's in control of this. And in this moment when I'm down and out, in this moment when I'm walking through the valley of the shadows, in this moment when there's, when there's too much months at the end of the money and there's not enough money to get to the end and not enough money to do all the bills, I understand God has this. I'm going to do the best I can and leave the rest with him. Lord, it's going to be interesting to see how you meet this need. Lord, it's going to be interesting to see how you arrange a plane to come in and maybe someone else will be blessed with this sickness and I'll get their seat. But Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. <clears throat> One last thought I want to, want to leave with you. I'm going to bring this a little close to home here now. All the principles of Satan place appetites above God's authority. Adam and Eve has God really said to you that you can't eat of all the fruit in the Garden of Eden? And they looked at that and they saw, you know, that looks good. It was an appetite. Good for food and, and it will increase my intelligence. It was an appetite. My search for significance is an appetite. My search for security is an appetite. My search to be somebody is an appetite. My search for, you know, in, in, uh, <clears throat> maybe in, in addictions is a, is a way to medicate something. You know, my search for, my search for the human appetites. All the principles of Satan deal with a misguided use of the human appetites above the authority of God. So let me ask you this last question. Now I'm not <clears throat> asking you for anything, but I want you to think about something. What about money? What about your money? Where are you at with that in terms of the kingdom of God? You say, well, what does God say about money? Well, he says, uh, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and I'm going to look after all your needs. He does say that. Well, he, you know, I think it's in Malachi, isn't it? Habakkuk or Malachi, I think, back in the Old Testament. He says, uh, he says something to the effect of, will a man rob God? What? Will a man rob? How will a man rob God, they said. He says, well, in tithes and offerings. He says, there it is. It's in Malachi chapter 3. You can read it. He says, well, a man robbed God, yet you robbed me. But how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for it. What's God need money for? God doesn't need money. He doesn't need silver and gold. 
He created all that there is. He knows where it's all deposited. He knows where all the diamonds are. He knows where all the gold is. God doesn't need money. Get over the money thing. This is not about money. This is about the authority of God being first in your life, not the dollars. And if the authority of God is not first in your life, if the dollars are first in your life, and you say things like, well, I can't afford to tithe. God doesn't need our, our, our loonies and toonies. He does not need that. Get over that. Get away from that. What God desires and needs is that we put his authority above the money. And if it is not like that, you are living under the principles of Satan. That's what the Bible teaches us. <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I pray quite often of this same thing. I love living in the kingdom of God. I love that. I, I, uh, I do bad things sometimes. Ruth and I, Ruth, my wife, who loves me very much, misses me terribly when I'm gone, uh, when I, on the motorcycle. Um, and we have a thing, okay? So help me with this, please, will you? If I'm out on the motorcycle and I arrive at your house, would you please tell me to text my wife to say I got there safe and sound? Especially if I go to the hospital in Halifax and drive for six hours, three hours down, three hours back, please remind me to text my wife that I got there. And I, I do want to honor her in that because she does love me. You do love me, right? You're not just being mean to me when you argue, right? She does. She loves me. <clears throat> but, I, but I was coming home um, uh, on the motorcycle uh, from the hospital one day and I thought to myself, I thought, you know, it is great being in the kingdom of God. It's great. You know why? Because God's got my back. I, you know, I, I, then I began to think about all the stuff that's happened. I thought about the plane crash in Cuba when we were there. I thought about, I thought about the places that he's taken me, the roads he's turned me off of and put me on. I thought of all that. I thought, God's got my back in all of this. God has been looking after me. And when my time comes... He'll be standing there ready. They say, Mark, today's the day. We're going home. We're leaving this harvest field and we're going home and I got a party prepared for you. See, I love living in the kingdom of God because God is with me and he's with you. And I want so much that you are with him more and more all the time. I want his blessings to soak around you. I want his the fullness to fill you. I want all of him to be in you and around you. He has so much wonderful things for you. Let's draw close to him. Let's live under his authority and not under the principles of the enemy. What do you have to lose? Oh, my worry, my fear, my pain, my hurt, my uncertainty. What do you got to lose? Let's, you want me to keep going with the list? How's it working out for you so far? Living under the principles of the world, not under the authority of God. How's it working out for you? I bet you lay awake at night thinking, What's the meaning of this life I'm living? Why? What's the purpose? You want to know the purpose? Come and meet my Savior. You'll find all the purpose. And you got nothing to lose but your pain and your hurt. Doesn't get any better than that. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning, Lord, we are thankful. <clears throat> Lord, wow. I mean, you are so good to us. Father, we recognize that in the world there's a lot of pain and hurt and tribulation and trouble and things going on. And, and Father, you know, I'm sure, Lord, that you're sad about this. But Father, this morning, Lord, there's just, there's just us who are here and, and, and we know that you're here with us. And, and Father, perhaps there's those who are, who are listening at home and, and Lord, that you're there with them and you're speaking into their lives as you are with us here. <clears throat> Father, I know that you have plans for all of our lives. Lord, your Bible says, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world 
that you gave your only son that whoever, whoever believes in him would have life eternal. Father, we, we lose our way sometimes. Father, we don't understand why bad things are happening. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't get the, the whole business of life like this. But Father, help us to see what you see. Help us to, to know that you've got our backs. Help us to know that you're in control. Help us to know that we're under the umbrella of your protection. Help us to know that, that as we seek first you and your kingdom, that all these things of life will be added to us in due time. Father, we just want to be with you. Father, perhaps this morning as we close, we're going to sing this last song. Lord, you know what the pattern is. But, but Father, as we sing this last song, Lord, I'm, I'm asking, would, would you touch those that need to be touched? Just, just in the privacy of their own pew, or just where they're sitting or when we stand, just where we're standing. Uh, Father, would you just touch them and say, my child, I'm here for you. I love you. Want the best for you. Gonna be with you. Gonna meet your need. Draw close. And Father, grant to us strength and courage to hear your voice and to understand your truth. Father, we just want to be with you. So, Father, guide us and lead us according to what you desire. For we have come to meet with you. Help us, Lord, in this. In Jesus' name we pray.